Hey everyone, welcome to the Coastal Podcast. I'm Pastor Lucas Granger and want to say thank you for listening in. May this podcast bring some light to your world today. Enjoy grace and peace. In Jesus' name and everybody said, Amen. Amen. You know, I don't want to like uh, pick on you already, but you know that are you glad to be here thing was just a little weak. You know what I'm saying? I, I'm like... What was that? You know, where would you rather be? I don't know about you, but I would rather be here than the best hospital in the United States of America. Amen? Yeah, man. And I want to just say this again. I know I say it before, and, and, and you might think that I'm just, uh, I'm not, but I am. I'm just as excited as I can be to be at Coastal. I don't, uh, I don't need, uh, my name is Brad Bruner, by the way. Some of you don't know me, but uh, uh, the men's group uh, on Monday night, uh, they, they prayed for me, and I was grateful for that, but I reminded them that you ought to pray for Coastal, too, because they got to they gotta deal with this. I have uh, been in ministry for uh, decades, and I am grateful for it. I'm grateful to be here. I, I just love the opportunity to serve at Coastal. Uh, I'm an usher, and I'm happy to be an usher. I love being an usher. I just, I get a kick out of it. I'm just glad to be able to do anything. I'm, I'm glad to be here this morning, but I'm going to tell you what I'm really looking forward to. I'm looking forward to next Sunday when Lucas is back up here, and I can sit in the chair and just hoop and holler. You know what I mean? I just, I'm good with that, man, you know? But uh, I've, I've heard people all my life say things or guys that and they just love to preach. And I'm like, uh, I, I kind of liken it as, and I've never been in the military. When I was 18, I wasn't exactly in a military mindset. Okay, I'm not going to go into great details. That's a story for another day. But, but I never got into military. But I liken preaching kind of like a, a soldier saying, I just love sentry duty. I love knowing that the safety of this entire base rests on my shoulders. What is that? No, I don't necessarily like it. I, I do it when the opportunity arises. I, we're going to look this morning for a little bit at retirement and, and the kingdom. Now, I know we think about retirement and, and we think about old right now. I've had friends of mine that because of their situations and different things have retired as early as 52, 55 years old. Um, I, I, uh, I, I pastored up until last November. Uh, I, I just turned 69 in, in July. And I have told people, and, and it's, it's my fault, but I have told people that I retired. And I basically told them that because I just didn't really want to get into a long conversation about what I really saw happening, and, and that is that I, I, I've been reassigned. That's how I see it. I am here because this is where God has me. I, I believe with all my... Listen, we bought a house here in 2019, and we never intended to live here full-time. That was not what we wanted. We were absolutely certain we were going to go to Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, where our girls live, and I am a Yankee, by the way, in case you haven't been able to tell yet, but... Uh, but uh, still happy to be here, amen. But uh, and 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 but that nothing. Op- it was impossible. It just 
it became evident that this is exactly where God wanted us. And so here we are. And, and again, just excited, excited to be here. Um, granted, I'm aging, as we all are, right? I, would, I, I, I thought about, and I don't, there's no one here young enough to approach with this, because by the time you get to be a teenager, you start learning that you're not supposed to tell the truth all the time. But I was going to, I would have loved to ask a little guy, a little person or a younger person, if, if they thought 69 was old. Buddy, do you think 69's old? See, see, already he started. <laughs> 69 is stinking ancient. I love it when people that are 30 ask a little kid, do you think 30 is old? Well, yeah, they do, because just that's where they are. But you know, there's some real advantages. There's advantage. In fact, if I was going to, we're going to write a book, and I've told people this for years, and I never am, but if I were going to write a book, it would be on the advantages of aging. And it, it, there are advantages to it. I, I'm here to tell you, I don't get freaked out about things like I used to. I, I've been through so many things, as many of us have, that it just kind of comes and rolls off your shoulder and like, eh, you know, it happened before, it'll go away again, you know, no big deal. I had to get a wart frozen off of my hand. I, I thought I had a splinter in there, so I've been digging in that thing for a week and finally had to go to the doctor for something else. And, and, and so I'd never had that done, but he put a little thingy bob over there and started squirting this thing in there. He goes, does that hurt? And I'm like, what is pain? You know what I mean? I've been hurt so many times before, it don't mean a thing anymore. But there's advantages to getting, to getting old, and that's just one. One of the things is that, you know, I, I've been, I, I can honestly, I can honestly quote Psalm 37:25, where David said, I was young, but now I'm old. And you know what? He, but the follow-up to that is, he said, I have never seen God's seed forsaken or his children begging bread. Man, one of the advantages of aging is that I can look back and not just through the, the testimony of Scripture, but from my own life see God's hand of faithfulness. You know, there was a time when I had to take by faith that God was going to provide every need. But now I look back and I'm thinking, not only has he provided every need, but, man, I go to bed every night thinking, and we pray, and I say, God, thank you. You have not just met needs. I've got things I would never, ever have dreamed of. I would never. Listen, the last church I was in was in northwest Pennsylvania. It's in the middle of stinking nowhere, okay? It's just absolutely. And it's snowy, and it's cold, and frankly, I loved it there because of the people, but man, you could keep, I would never have dreamed in a million years that I would live four miles from the beach. Dude, this is heaven. So I'm I just, but it's God, God is so good. One of the things that I do find interesting though is, and we're going to turn to Matthew 25 if you want to do that a while, and we're going to begin reading in, in uh, verse 14. I found it interesting that when I, when I left my church and, and uh, that people, I would say to people, well, you know, oh, you retired. And I said, well, you know, I mean, and they would say, well, pastors don't retire. And these were inevitably people who retired from their job. I, I, 
And I'm not saying pastors retire, but I'm just saying it seemed like a little bit of a double standard there. And, and, and I, I, we'll just address that in a little bit. But let's just read this passage. And I know it's very familiar, but, uh, but it'd be good for us to be acquainted with it once again this morning. Matthew 25, beginning in verse 14. And again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last. And dividing it in proportion to their abilities, he then left on his, on his trip. The servant who had received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earn five more. And the servant who with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. And after a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they had used his money. The servant to whom he had trusted the five bags of silver came forward with the five bags more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest and I have earned five more. Well, the master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. And the servant who had received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest. I have earned two more. And the master said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. And then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. And look, here is your money back. Lord God, we thank you for your word. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would use it to, to do a work in our hearts that you intend to do this morning. I pray that we would be open to your leading and to your working, and we just thank you. Might Jesus be honored and continue to be honored in all, in all that we do this morning. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. In uh, in uh, sometime probably about thirty years ago or so, I had the opportunity to meet a man who had been a missionary up until that point in time, probably for almost thirty-five years, and uh, he was far from being done. His name was Daryl Champlin. Daryl Champlin had been a missionary in the Congo, and, uh, and in 1964, when that rebellion took place, he, he and his family basically left with the clothes on their back and, and uh, came back to the United States. Well, going to the Congo again was not an option, and so he, uh, he started looking around at what God would have him to do, and he found a, a country in South America by the name of Suriname who he said is really, it's, it's almost like being in Africa. It had been a place where runaway slaves had escaped to uh, down through the, the, the years. And so it was, they had witch doctors and the whole shooting match. It was just like being in Africa. But, uh, and just very, very exciting stories he had to tell. I'll never get tired of hearing missionary stories. But one of the things that I remember Daryl Champlin saying he said this, he said, the biggest problem that I see with our missionaries on the foreign field is that they can't forget they are Americans. 
And his point was that, and, this, and, and Pastor Lucas knows be, far better than I, that they don't care if you're an American. We're not there to promote America. And I got to thinking about that. Honestly, folks, whether we understand, and I, and I think you probably know what I mean, but we're all missionaries. We're all in a foreign land. This, this is not our home. Is it, you know, I, I, really, I really wonder sometimes if the cultural things going on isn't just God telling us, do you understand this isn't where you belong? I mean, really, but we aren't. But I think sometimes that every now and again, we need to sift the Americanism out of our theology and our Christianity. One of the things that I think that we, we, we get this idea that, uh, you know, I, I worked for all these years in a particular occupation. I may have hated it, but I always had in my mind that at a certain age, I was going to cash it in and just quit and live on my retirement or my investments or, or whatever. And, and that's okay. That's, that's okay. But we need to understand that as a child of God, in the service of God, there's only one time that we retire. Well, two times, right? You either, when Jesus comes back, which would be awesome, or when you breathe your last breath. Uh, you know, I, I, I learned something just I turned 69 in July, and sometime early in the summer, I don't know why, but someone was asking me questions about our family, and uh, I never knew my dad's dad, because he, he's been, he was dead before I was born, but, and I knew that my dad died when he was 69, but then sometime like in May or so, I discovered that his dad died when he was 69, and here I am. And I've prayed all week, dear God, don't let it be this morning. It would be really awkward, right, if I just dropped dead here in the middle of everywhere. But that's when we, that's when we, that's when we, that's when we, we quit. And, you know, our, our king doesn't have the same retirement schedule as our earthly employers. Um, I, I, I've, I found this years ago, and, 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 Everyone thinks my wife is really sweet, but she had this little saying posted in her office at the church that we, that we had been at until November. And basically, it said this. Here's a test to find out whether your mission on earth is finished. If you're alive, it isn't. End of story. If you're still breathing, God has something for you to do. And that is presented to us kind of, kind of what Matthew 25 is, is all about. Well, let's just look into the scriptures for a little bit. I want to just, uh, Matthew 24 and 25 are presented uh, to us or given to us as a result of a question that the disciples asked. Basically this, Jesus said, Jesus already told them in the beginning of Matthew 24 about the, about the uh, temple is going to be completely destroyed and, and so on and so forth. And so in verse 3 of Matthew 24, they, say, they, they ask him this, Tell us, when will all this happen? What sign will signal your return and the end, end of the world? 
And so Matthew 24 and 25 are Jesus answering that, that question. And in chapter 24, Jesus basically answers two questions. And uh, the first one, he answers these things with two things. He said, listen, you can't know, you don't know that. You're not, all through Matthew 24 and then even in 25, he says the same thing. It's not for you to know. It's not for you to know. It's not for you to know. You don't know. Only the Father knows. And so the, the whole point of it is you don't know. And so you need to be ready. You know, realize nowhere in the Bible does it ever tell a Christian to get ready for, the, for Jesus' return. It says, be ready. Now, if you don't know when he's coming, how are you going to get ready? Um, but then the second thing he says in chapter 24, he says, don't, don't get fooled into thinking someone knows when it'll happen. And don't get fooled by people that say it already has happened. And that's been going on. You know, one of the other advantages of, of uh, getting older is I, I was thinking about it this week, or, and, and I think I've been through at least four, maybe five predictions of Jesus' return. I'm, I'm serious. I mean, in my lifetime, in, in, not just my lifetime, but in the time I've been a Christian. I mean, in 1987, he was going to come back, and then, and, da, 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 and, and you know, honestly, at this point in time, I hear those kinds of things, and I'm just like, well, I know for sure when he's not coming back on that date, okay? I will assure you of that. So whenever you hear those things, don't, don't get excited about it, because Jesus said in Matthew 24, when it happens, it won't be a secret. Everybody's going to know. And so then he goes on to Matthew 25, and he, and he says, listen, he said, and, and, and here he said, now here's some parables, and he gives us two parables, and then a description of what judgment day will look like. Now in the, in the parable number one is about the ten virgins, and we know that story, and, the, and those ladies in the wedding party, and how they were waiting for the, the groom to come, and again, the lesson is one, be ready, be ready, there's not going to be time to go buy more oil, you've got to... Have your oil when he comes. And then parable number two tells us, and this is where we're going to spend our time this morning, and that is that, that uh, this is what being ready looked like. Yeah, you know, and I looked at this thing and I thought, I know exactly why he gave us the second parable. Because if you'll recall, in the first parable, even the virgins that were ready, what were they doing waiting on the master? They were taking a nap. And so Jesus didn't want us to think taking a nap is what you do while you're waiting on him. So he gave us this parable about the, these guys and the, and the bags of silver. Now, I want another thing I want to just warn you about, and that is that, that although this, our version says a bag of silver, I'll be calling them talents from this point forward. Not on purpose. It's just stuck in my head. So I'm sorry. Uh, I, I was a number of years ago, I was teaching a Sunday school class and we were doing a, uh, like a biographical sketch of different Old Testament Bible characters. Me and another guy, we were taking turns. And I ended up with Rahab. See, I almost did it. All week long, I was calling Rahab Rachel. So I warned him. I said, listen, I'm going to be saying Rachel. So would someone please just raise your hand and say, it's Rahab, you dork. And so I'm going along, and pretty soon a little sign pops up. And I look, and it says, it's Rahab, you dork. So, so anyhow, that's, you, I just, it gets in my head, and I'm stuck. So, but whatever they are, this, it, this was the deal. 
Now, I'm not gonna, I, I have been down this, through this thing, I have no idea how many times in the last month, but I think I've boiled it down to two things I want us to look at, two questions this morning I want us to look at. First of all, what were these two guys rewarded for? Why did they get a reward? Now, I know the American answer is because they worked hard and they earned that money, or they, they gave a return on that money. But I think basically uh, they were rewarded because they did the will of the master. They did what the master asked them to do. Uh, I, I think that if you're not careful, and again, I don't know if it's just familiarity, but you read down through these parables you've heard, uh, you know, a hundred times, and, and you just tend to skim over things. But one of the things I got to thinking was, well, how long did these guys stay at it? Now, it makes it, and again, it's almost like a TV show, right? You're, you're, you're presented with this horrible situation, and in 23 minutes, they've got it all worked out. Well, it, it looks like if you just read it, and, and you would think, well, they got these five, this guy got five bags of silver. He went out the next day and made five bags and took a nap until Jesus, until the master came back. We don't, we don't, in fact, I know, I know that's not the case because in, in uh, Luke chapter 19 and verse 13, Jesus kind of telling a variation of this same parable said, here's what he said to the servants. He gave them their, the money that they were responsible for and he said, until I come back, Invest this, work at this until I return. Part of the reason why these, got re these guys were rewarded is because they kept at it until the master returned. They weren't sitting around sloughing off. It, 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 in, I believe that it took this guy as long until the master, when the master showed up, he was up to five bags back. That's how that worked. It's not like he just doubled it. He's just, that's where he was when the master returned. So part of what's going on here is that they just kept at it. And part of the, and, and obviously we realize what's going on in this parable, right? Jesus is not just talking about a master and some servants. He's talking about himself and us, right? He's gone away. The Bible says that it went away on a long journey. Now in that, in that day, that meant a long time. They didn't, have a, they didn't have airplanes. They didn't have, you know, they were either walking or taking a wagon or riding a camel. Uh, it was like forever. I, uh, I worked with a guy who had been Amish for a while. And, uh, and he left the, the, left the Amish. And I, I would always, when I ran into those people, I would ask, I wanted to find out whether it was a spiritual thing or what was going on, because sometimes they come to Christ and realize that this isn't what it's all about. And so I asked him, I said, well, why, why, did you, why did you leave the church, as they would call it? And he said, you know, I just couldn't imagine riding around a buggy the rest of my life. I said, well, I can understand that. That would be, that would be very long and grueling on occasions. But, but it was a long time, and they kept at it. And again, as I said before, our calling lasts until Jesus comes for us or we draw our last breath. I've had, I've had experiences that, 
And again, I know it's just how it is, but that I never really fully appreciated until later in life. Um, I got I got saved in 1974, and it was in a in a church, you know, that preached the scriptures. It was a fairly solid church, and and uh, they would have different speakers come in. They had a guy in one one time that I'd never even heard of. His name was John Walvard. Now, I don't know if you ever heard of John Walvard or not, but at that time, John Walvard was the president of the Dallas Theological Seminary. John Walvard's written over 30 books, most of them about prophecy. But he came in, and one of the things he did, that, and it's really the only message I, I remember that he, he preached. He was there for a few days. But he preached a message on Matthew chapter 25. And in this message, in, in, in his message, what he told us is, we said, he was talking about this, why did they get, what were they rewarded for? And he said, in essence, it all boils down to one thing. They were faithful. They were faithful. They didn't get rewarded because they worked hard. They got rewarded because they stuck by the stuff. And then John Walvard said something to this effect. We get the idea that at Judgment Day, the guys that are going to get the, the people, guys, sorry, uh, the, the, the people that are going to get the big, the big rewards are the, are the big names, right? Like the, the Dwight Moody's and the Billy Graham's, those people that have won thousands and thousands of people to Jesus. But he said he believes that on Judgment Day, let's just say that names are being called and rewards are given. And someone calls out the name, I don't know, Mary Smith, or Jesus calls out. And so Mary starts, and people are murmuring all through the crowd, Who's Mary? What did Mary do? What did she accomplish? <laughs> and they get up there, and the reward is handed out, and the master and Jesus says, listen, for teaching that Sunday school class for 30 years and never quitting. I believe, I believe the big names, I believe the people who are going to get the rewards are those people that you and I have never heard of. But they just never quit. They kept at it. They kept going. They were, they were, it, gee, do you, let me ask you a silly question. Do you really believe that God needs your help? Huh? Can we be that deluded? No, he doesn't need our help. He lets us get involved. He lets us serve. So what were they rewarded for? They were rewarded for being faithful. And then number two, the second question as I looked at this thing that I want to pose this morning. He said, why did the two, the first two guys work and the other guy gave up? I think another thing that we, we can maybe err on is that we, we assume that this guy, he got his bag of silver, he got his talent, and he immediately went out and dug a hole and threw it in there. I, I don't know that that's a safe assumption. It is very likely and possible that this guy tried, did something, 
he was working and somewhere along the line got disillusioned for whatever reason or another and then he just said well this ain't working and just buried it i don't know i don't know why i quit there's all kinds of reasons why we do but i do think it's interesting that when the last guy is questioned by the master as to what he had done the very very first thing this guy says is master i knew you I knew you. Now, frankly, I don't think he knew him at all. I think the first two guys knew him. I think the first two guys knew that our master is good. And if we do what he called us to do, it's going to be a good thing for us. I... Uh, in, in, our, in our last church, had the blessed privilege of, of uh, leading a couple to Christ, and she was dying of cancer. And uh, after she was gone, he started coming to church. He didn't before because he was home caring for her. But uh, his name was Jeff, and Jeff was like the first guy in the parking lot on Sunday morning. And I'd pull up, and he's sitting in his car reading his Bible and just waiting for Sunday school to start. But he told me one day about a, a job that he'd had years ago at a plant. A little town that we, our church was in is like the powdered metal capital of the world. And I don't even know anything about powdered metal, but it really is a thing. And uh, make a lot of car parts out of it and different things. But there's just powdered metal plants everywhere. Well, he worked at one of these things, and his boss's name was Dick Wolf. Dick Wolf was the owner, and it was back in the days when local people still owned the plants. And and uh, and that point in time, my friend's wife was in the hospital in Erie, which was like a two-mile drive, and she was pretty sick. And so my friend would get up early in the morning drive to Erie to see his wife, turn around and drive back home, go to work, work all day, leave work, drive back to Erie to see his wife, and then come back home and go to bed for a little while. Well, Dick Wolf, his employer, found out about that. So Dick Wolf approached him one day and he said, listen, I hear your wife's in the hospital. Yes, sir. I hear you've been driving up there every morning and every evening. Yes, sir. And he handed him a card and he said, here, 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 I want you to go check into this motel. And the motel had a restaurant connected to it. And he said, I don't want you to come back until your wife's out of the hospital. And so he went. Well, he didn't realize it, but he got up there and the motel was paid for. He had a voucher at the restaurant. All of his meals were paid for. Well, his wife eventually gets out of the hospital and he comes back home. And he, and he fills out his vacation day's request form and takes it to Dick Wolf. Dick Wolf looks at it and says, what's this? He said, it's requests for my vacation days for the days I was off. Ripped that sucker up and threw it in the trash can. That wasn't vacation. He said, I want you to tell you, I, want to, I don't have to tell you this. I'm sure you realize it. My friend Jeff was as dedicated to Dick Wolf as you can possibly get you know why? Because he knew him. I want you to know something, folks. We, we, 
our biggest danger. It's not that we don't know that we ought to work. It's not that we don't know we ought to serve. It's because we lose, we lose the wonder. We lose sight of what it is that's been done for us. Uh, just a little commercial, but uh, our, our men's Bible study on Monday nights, and guys, if you're not involved in anything, let me encourage you to come. But we are reading uh, a book of the Bible, an ep- one of the epistles uh, all week, and then we study it on, on Monday. And uh, I don't know where Billy is, but honestly, he told us that was the plan. I was kind of like, oh, man. That's just too much. It's not, I'm, you, know, you just, how do you take all it in? What, you, how do you boil that all down? But I want you to know something. This, this has been such a blessing to me. Uh, I, have been, I have been reading the book of Ephesians. Uh, I've read it every day this week so far, not today. I was a little preoccupied this morning. But, uh, but you know what I think? You know, some of our problem. Uh, and, and, and I know, and I know you know this if you've been around. But so many of the epistles start out with like some doctrinal things, and then they move on to the practical. Well, as Americans, what part we like? We was just tell me what to do, right? Well, I'm here to tell you, I have been so blessed this week as I have read those doctrinal portions of the book of Ephesians. I, I, it's just, I don't know, but it's just done something. I'm just going to read a couple of verses, actually seven verses. I, a couple would be a lie, and I don't want to lie. I'm in church. But, uh, but in, in, in chapter 2, he said, Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy that he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms because we are united with Jesus or with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. And is, do you get that? I was, I was dead. I was rotting. And because of Jesus, God Almighty raised me from the dead and gave me life. That's incredible. Why, why, why do I serve Jesus? It's not out of obligation. I remember seeing a, a bumper sticker years ago. It says, uh, Jesus is coming. Look busy. Right? That's not just dumb. That's, very, that's bad advice, bad theology. But, you know, sometimes we get that idea. If I just look busy, right? If I just do something. Well, that ain't what it's about. It's about doing something because of what's been done for me. 
All of my service should be nothing more than a response to the goodness and grace and love that Jesus has given to me. How can I not? Now I know sometimes, you know, we talk about this guy. I got two minutes. We talk about this guy that, uh, that buried his, his talent or his bag of silver. But again, why to do that? I, I, you know, he got tired, right? It didn't work. Sometimes, some, and, and maybe he thought that his one little bag compared to five didn't really mean anything anyhow. And sometimes, you know, we've been around and we've been beat up. I've been beat up. I, but that doesn't change what Jesus did for me. You know, the Bible says that, that God gives us all something. It ain't all the same thing. shouldn't be all the same thing. It'd be weird. But we've been given something. And what I've been given to do is vitally important in the eyes of the master, or he wouldn't have given it to me to do. Right? Some of us think, well, it's just not worth it. It's, it's hard. It is hard sometimes. But again, that's why we keep our eyes on Jesus. That's why I, I, I continually soak my mind and my heart with the amazing thing that God did. I'll tell you what, in my mind, the greatest miracle that ever happened is that God could make a wicked sinner a new person. We've been raised from the dead. Do you get it? I deserve to go to hell. Yeah, okay, so it's a little hard. But let me just, I want to just close with this. Uh, I want to I just tell you how this all plays out and why it is that we ought never get up and why it is that we ought to stay by the stuff and why it is, why it is that we ought to be constantly in prayer. Dear God, what do you want me to do? What do you have for me to do? In, 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 in Luke chapter 12, and beginning in verse 35, he says this, Be dressed for service. Keep your lamps burning as though you were waiting for your master. Why? Because we are waiting for the master, right? For your master return from the wedding feast, and then you will be ready to open the door and let him in the moment, let him in the moment he arrives and knocks. And the servants who are ready and waiting for his return will be rewarded. I tell you the truth, he himself, listen to this, he himself will seat them, put on an apron, and serve them as they sit and eat. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? One day, we're going to heaven. And when we get there, Jesus, the Lord of the universe, is going to pull out a chair, invite us to sit, scoot our chair in, and serve us dinner. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? That's what awaits those who stay faithful. You just say, it can't be. It can't be true. It is true. I don't know. And here, here's, you know, I know we're talking about retirement. And, and, and it's, and honestly, it, I, 
It grieves me that people of my generation think that it's time for someone else to do it. I don't know what God, but God's got something. And I want you to know, I, I, just, I just want you to do one thing this morning. Would you just ask God what he wants you to do? Will you just say, dear Jesus, show me. Lord Jesus, I, I'm not sure you have anything for me. Show me. And he will. And he will, I'll guarantee you. Let's just close our eyes, please. Lord God, thank you for the time you've given us. Thank you for this, this morning. Thank you for your word. Dear God, thank you for these folks who have been here and come this morning. Now with our eyes closed, I want to just ask a question. Maybe you're in the room here and you are of retirement age and you're not sure what God wants you to do and you're not sure where, where you're to go from here. But one thing I want to encourage you, don't, don't die before you're dead. Man, man, stay at it. And you're here this morning and say, I don't know, I don't know what it is God wants for me to do, but I, want to, I, I, I am going to pray and ask God to show me what he wants me to do. If you would just lift your hand and let me know, I want to pray with you. I'm going to just, I'm going to, I, I'm going to pray and ask God to show me what it is. Thank you. 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 And then one other thing. Maybe, maybe you've not gotten in the army yet. Maybe you're, you're, you're not part of God's family. You've not accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior and this morning, I want to ask you, if you're here today and you're not 100% sure that you're on your way to heaven, I want to pray for you. No one's looking around, but would you do this? Would you say, please pray for me? I'm not sure. I'm not sure I'm on my way to heaven. Anyone like that? Anyone at all? All right, Lord God, I want to thank you again for this time. And I pray, Lord God, for those who, who are going to pray and ask you what you'd have them to do and Lord we just bless you I want to thank you for the answer that's coming God I want to thank you for the fulfillment that comes in your service for it's in Jesus name we pray Well, we hope this podcast has blessed you. In case you didn't know, we are in the middle of renovating a brand new facility right here in Brunswick County, North Carolina. So listen, two things. Please take a moment and pray for us. Also, if you'd like to give to the ministry, sign on to the website at mycoastalchurch.com slash giving. Hey, have a wonderful, wonderful day. Grace and peace.